Welcome to the Fully Restored Podcast. Christians often struggle to talk about areas of deep hurt like trauma or abuse, shame, or betrayal. These are deep soul wounds. Friend, Christ came to not only heal us from our sin, but from our soul wounds as well. My name is Kristen Klaus, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and author. And my guest and I are here to walk with you on your healing journey. We see you and hear you. Friend, if you hang with me, apply these truths to your life, you will be on your own path to a fully restored story. Grab your coffee, tea, or favorite drink, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Kristen Klaus, and you're listening to the Fully Restored Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Janelle Reardon. We've all had conflicts in our lives, right? But some of those cut deep to the soul, and they create soul wounds. Our soul, for those who are new to my show, is our mind, will, and emotions. And I often talk about soul wounds and how they impact our relationship with God and others. Janelle knows what it is to be wounded deeply, and she also knows what it is to be healed deeply. I know that today's show will minister to those broken places from past hurts within you. Welcome, Janelle, to the Fully Restored Podcast. Thank you so much. I am so happy to be here today. Thank you. It's a joy to have you. So Janelle, tell us a little bit about yourself, the work you do in your family. Oh my goodness. I am recovering right now from a total hip replacement on my right hip. So I have been very quiet for about four weeks and really just pressing into this opportunity, which I call an enforced rest. And I am a mom and a wife of 38 years. I have three adult children and they all have their beautiful life partners and my first little granddaughter, first grandbaby came into the world in April. And anytime now I'm expecting my first little grand baby boy to come into the world. My son is expecting with his wife. And so I am just full to overflowing with this new world of grandparenting and grand loving. It's just everything everyone promised me it would be. And I'm very excited about this season. Professionally, I'm a writer, author, podcast host, I am a board-certified life coach. I specialize in family systems, in trauma work, and attachment work, and I love what I do. Love what I do. Well, it is a joy talking with you, and I have to tell you, being a grandparent is the best thing in the world. So good. And they're so far away. No one lives close, but it's all good. Yeah, and you will find all of your vacations are centered around them from now on. (laughs) Yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. My firstborn lives in South America. So it's a beautiful place to go vacation. And that's where our little Elena Rose is. So uh, yeah, very excited. It's, it's been something talk about being fully restored, Kristen. This is a fully restored moment in my life to see what my husband and I envisioned 38 years ago was to have a, a generation, a first generation of family that follows the ways of Jesus. And this is just a dream coming true, a vision coming true. It's amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Janelle, all of us have conflicts with others, right? Whether at work, in our family, with friends, and yes, in ministry. So could you share with us your story of being hurt within the church and your journey afterwards? Mm, Yes. And I want to frame this, Kristen. I'm always very careful to frame this story, particularly. It's my second book, Overcoming Hurtful Words, Rewrite Your Own Story, because initially that was entitled Halos with Horns, you know, (laughs) 
how to deal with mean women in the church. And I'm, I'm always very cautious that that first book title and that first book journey was my own personal need to be fully restored. And so when I did get to write my story in, in overcoming hurtful words, I was very, very far along in my journey to know that the conflict and the hurt as deeply wounded as I was, I had a big part to play in that. So I always like to frame and offer that framework. That's that's obviously a very spiritual, mature place to be in. Hindsight allows us that. But at the time, I was involved in a church that I would call today, I've learned so much in this journey, very authoritarian. The structure was authoritarian. The system was authoritarian, meaning they had more of a power over structure than a power with. And I'm grateful for that journey now because it totally led me to being fully restored. But at the time, I was a very active leader, woman, female leader in the church. And there was another female leader that was in charge of assigning who teaches the Bible studies and all of those things, who leads the retreats. And I just couldn't understand why I wasn't being asked. You know, so many women were like, why are you not leading anything? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess you have to ask the leaders. I'm not sure. So I, I did my own thing for sure. But there was one women's retreat and it, it, we were there and she was announcing all the Bible study leaders and all of that. And it was just, it was quite overwhelming because I just couldn't understand why I wasn't being asked. And so I just got brave for a moment. And when it was all done, said and done, and we had a break, I went up to her and I was like, uh, can you help me understand? Because so many, you know, people are asking me and I, I really want to lead here in the church. I want to be a part, an active part and leading and teaching our women. And she just, she just went off on a lot of things about me that were I don't like to share it because I just feel like it's not important, but it was just very, mm, how do I say this? Damaging to my sense of self. The things yeah. that she was saying, well, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. When you walk in the room, women are intimidated and everything that she was saying was, was actually not true. And I knew it wasn't true, but at that time, she had a lot of power over me. She controlled my work in the church to be very honest. And so I was doing everything I could to please her, to make her like me. I was striving. I was jumping through all the hoops that she put, get, you know, go through this training, that training, this training. And I did everything that was required, but then I wasn't asked. And so it was just a real, you know, an aha in a negative way. Like what is going on here? And so immediately I started to weep because I'm just super tender super intuitive, highly sensitive person. And the, the authoritarianism of her words and her spirit just sent me down a very dark spiral. And I immediately, you know, thankfully the retreat leader, the woman, keynote speaker who was not part of our church walked up and I'm here, I am weeping. And I just, I'm going to remove myself. And, you know, she said, we'll finish this conversation at my house when we get home. So once again, it was we're going to meet on my territory. So it was just a lot of authoritarianism. And I just immediately left the room, went back to my hotel room, slid down the door, sobbed, wept, wanted to die. Just, you know, like I got to get out of here. But I failed to say I was the MC of the retreat. So I did have that job. And so I couldn't just leave because I was actually emceeing. And uh, they liked me in that role because I'm, you know, have a big old extroverted personality. 
And so that's a long, short, long story, Kristen, that it was just a moment of deep wounding to my sense of self, my identity, however you want to say that. There are many ways to say that. I didn't quite know what to do with that. And so it sent me down, like I said, a very deep spiral of negativity, obviously, depression, darkness drove home. And there's a very, the retreat was at the beautiful um, Outer Banks of North Carolina. And there's a long bridge. I call it the bridge of size. When you travel over it, you leave your problems, right? Well, this time I'm coming back over the bridge and I was just like, I'm just done. I just, I'm just going to drive off the bridge. Nobody will care because I'm just so tired of trying to please and do what's right. This happens. So that led me on a journey a very long journey to finding out why I allowed her, and I call her my spiritual tipping point. Why at that moment, I mean, there had been many of those instances, many before that. So it's like, why do I keep allowing people, particularly women and leaders to do that, to treat me that way, to speak to me that way? This is my problem. And so I did go receive, I went for help. I went for counseling and I found my way. I found my way to understanding why I allowed that. There is so much, Janelle, that you just shared there. And I really appreciate your transparency. Mm. But as you were talking, I would not, but as you were talking, I could imagine many listeners saying, wow, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there in that in that position and just a little thought, a little side note over here that I think in many places, I like your example of power over versus power with that authoritarian. And I think in many churches, there is a fight within some to have an identity and have a position and have a place, because the truth is we all want to fit. We all want a place. We all want to be and do what God wants us to be and do, right? Absolutely. And then for some reason, I wouldn't limit it to women because I believe it's it's people. You know, men could do this as well, is we get intimidated. I'm not talking about what God was processing you through, like that journey of revelation he was doing in you. I'm talking about the other person or type of people that out of their intimidation and insecurities that have nothing to do about the person, but it's their own issues, just like God was showing you, you have your own issues. Yes. We want to control. We want to stifle those that were intimidated by or insecure by their gifts. So we stifle them. Yeah, and we make them feel small. Yeah. You know, we we want them to feel small so we can feel big. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, what you were going through. But in that recognizing, okay, God, I keep doing this. No, you know, I can't, I can't keep having these reactions. And, and you said it, let people treat me and speak to me in that way. I can't keep doing that. No. So that began a changing process from you. It sounds like on one side, there was a battle. That was a huge spiritual battle for you. Huge. It really was. The visual that you gave us of leaving 
that retreat and, and just having the thoughts of wanting to drive off the bridge and, and, and it's very honest though. Yeah, it is. And if we're honest, many of us have had those thoughts there. And, and often those thoughts are, you know, sometimes those thoughts are the fiery darts of the enemy. Without a doubt. Coming at you and having that thought, but because your guard is down because you're hurt, boom, that arrow shoots at you. You know what? You shouldn't even be alive. Why even try anymore? So worthless. You're worthless. Yeah. And, and so recognizing you recognized all that we're grateful. You didn't drive off the bridge. I am so grateful. And God began to do a journey. One more thought before we go into the next question. I call individuals like that are sandpaper people. Yes, absolutely. Iron sharpens iron in all the wrong ways. (laughs) They rub us the wrong way. There's actually a book out there, The Sandpaper People. I recommend that book. I've read it. I've recommended it over the years to people. So also, if I can interrupt for just a second, because also the deeper quandary of this, what possessed me with such quandary was that I love this woman. Like I still to this day, she's amazing. Like she truly is. She is a wise, oh my gosh, she can teach the Bible like nobody's business. You know, so for me, it was this deep, I just couldn't understand how can you love? Why do you love? What are, you know, so there honestly was never, I wanted there to be anger actually. Like I I want, I tried to make myself angry, but it was so deep because my, it cut to the quick, I think my entire reason for being alive is that when women, this is what I kept hearing, spiritual unity, first and foremost, and when women gather together and they stand shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, hand in hand, mind to mind, watch out because that is an indomitable spirit of unity that Satan does not want to have happen. That's right, yeah. And so I feel like I was wrestling against principalities and powers of darkness still am on many accounts because unity is very dangerous to our enemy. And so I feel like I was pounding the table with her. Like if you and I joined forces, I have what you don't have and you have what I don't have, but put us together and our complementary gifts and talents and personhoods Man, that women's ministry at that church would have exploded, Mm -hmm. but it could not. It just, I stayed 11 years trying my hardest to make that happen to the detriment of myself and my family, my children. And the day I walked out of that church with my husband hand in hand was devastating. It was such a loss. I'm still sad about it because I, I just, that's my vision for the church the body of Christ at large. And if we can get over ourselves, right, or become fully restored in the in the power of God, man, watch out. Like, yeah. I still believe it's possible. I'm still pounding the table and I'm still working towards that end. But I think that's what grieved me. It was grief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. It was the grief that was like, I'm just done. I'm just done trying. This is so sad. I know now in hindsight, I was still grieving over the potential of my family of origin as well. You know, if I just keep trying hard enough, if I just keep 
keep on keeping on. My family of origin will someday be a happy family. So I think they were both very interconnected and still are. <clears throat> that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let's kind of shift. And I'm not sure, you know, where in this point of your story that we're at. So you went away um, on a girl's weekend. Yeah. A few years later. Okay. So it was a few years later. And then God opened your eyes to a significant truth of, about your life. What was that truth? And why was that truth so significant to your fully restored story? It was the missing key. It was the missing puzzle piece. It was something that I had not been able or even counselors or therapists at that point in time were able to offer me. I, I'm wise enough to know when God's ready, when we're ready, he gives us what we need. And so by this point, we had left that ch our, our church. We had taken a little bit of time, about three, four months to, to just, you know, recover. And by this point, I had found the church home that we were then in for another nine, 10 years until COVID. We were going to have a little girls weekend, three, three of us. And I had gotten very, a lot of healing up to this point from just the the new church, the women, the church was a, was definitely more healthy. It was not as authoritarian. So there was a lot more room for women, you know, to grow and be in leadership. And I was grateful for that. And so we were going away for a weekend, celebrating one of the girls' birthdays. On the trip, a couple of things happen anytime you get girls together, right? Anytime women gather, <laughs> we all have personalities and things just happen. Nothing, nothing grave, just some little things. But I was, as C.S. Lewis writes in Screw Tape Letters, just pinpricked, daily pinpricks that I felt were coming. And it was like, I better pay attention to this. This, I was triggered. That would be the word in therapy and counseling that we use. I was triggered by something. On the way back, we're talking, the girls and one of my friends was like, I, I just think it's codependency, Janelle. It's codependency. So she just kept saying codependency. And I'm like, it's not codependency. I was raised in an alcoholic home. I'm well-versed in codependency. I've studied it. I just knew that wasn't the secret. And I said, I appreciate you saying that. It was all she knew, right? It's all she knew. And so lo and behold, I get home from this weekend agitated because that tends to be the first movement towards our transformative journey is agitation. And I was in my master's study to get my degree in marriage and family therapy at this time as well. And I come home and I get this email from a woman who specializes in attachment theory and trauma and how that's related to our current behaviors. And I ate it with a spoon, drank it. I was like, this is it. I do not possess this thing she's talking about called secure attachment. I mean, everything inside my body, bells and whistles, the voice of God, light bulbs, whatever you want to say, just that grand aha that this is what I do not have. When I began to understand, and of course I enrolled immediately on top of my master's work in her certification program and just couldn't get enough. Like I said, everything just started to make sense. Okay. So let, we can just explain for a quick second. Secure attachment is, I like to say, Kristen, that it's this beautiful, inherent, God-given gift that all of us should receive when we're born into our families. Now, I just had my first grandbaby, right? So I've had this distinct privilege of standing back and watching the formation 
of her secure attachment. And it's mind blowing. It has made everything I've studied in textbooks come alive. And so it's when you're seen, when you're heard, when you're known, when you're loved, when you know you belong, when your needs are being met, right? You cry, mommy feeds you. You cry, mommy consoles you. Well, when you're born into a home where you're not given that, myself, an alcoholic home, the very strong Catholic mother. And so the dynamics of that home were unhealthy. I'm the baby. I was probably, I'm seven, eight years younger than my siblings and born into the family at a different time frame where my father was worse than he was with my siblings. So just a lot of information gathering. But when I understood, okay, that's it. I don't have that. So how do I get it? <laughs> and thankfully, through the great work of so many neuropsychologists and neurobiologists and trauma specialists in the last two decades, we can earn our secure attachment. We can begin to understand that we're known and seen and loved and belong and we're safe. I forgot to say that. We're safe and secure. That's where we learn all of the most important things. And that's where our brain is wired for success in life when we possess that, when we get that. So that's why it was so significant. And that I gave, I gave so much time and energy to that and became, like I said, certified. And, and, and I'm still, I'm still, you know, I love the title, Kristen, of your podcast, fully restored. I think that word fully is well-placed because it isn't something I think personally, we may differ on that, that I, I'm, I don't believe I am fully restored. I believe I am fuller. <laughs> I am fuller. And as I move in my life and in my journey of sanctification in Christ, I will one day when I meet him be fully restored. I think it's a journey. I think it's a process. Yeah, it it definitely is. And um, I have to be honest, you know, some, some guests will say, I'm not fully restored. I'm on the journey. And, and I get that, you know, there's things that I believe God has fully restored me. Can I get triggered? Yes, but that doesn't mean he hasn't restored me. I love that differentiation. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so, then I am fully restored. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted I want to go back for a minute because as you were talking about secure attachment, safety and security is the very first developmental stage that we go through. I was thinking about let's relate that to your story, because we as um, counselors, we as those that are trained in the field, sometimes we can, you know, we get in our conversation and we understand what it means because we've been trained in this stuff. But I want to put this in a language that the listener who is saying, okay, in the circumstance that you were going through, where where that situation was triggering for you and you were struggling. And as you said, you were, you know, striving for that unity and to come together. How does that relate that scenario, this aha moment that you've had about secure attachment? What did that mean about you back then? And what was it that began to change for you to become you today? Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much. Because the whole entire scenario I now have in my work something called rewind reset. So if I if I would rewind and reset that incident at that retreat where I was affronted, where I was I would like to say verbally assaulted basically. Today, today because I have 
come to the understanding in my relationship with God, the Father, that, let me add this, this is so layered, you know it's so layered, but I want to add this very important thing. I needed her affirmation and approval. There you go. Yeah. That's the key. I needed it for my sense of self to feel good about myself, to feel qualified, to feel, to have a sense of self. We call that our identity, right? To, to know my value, my worth, and my dignity, I needed her approval. And remember, she, she was just the spiritual tipping point. There were many before that. I was always looking outside of my own personhood, my own selfhood. I was looking outside of that for the approval, the affirmation, the applause, the safety, the security that I did not get in my family of origin. So I was working with a deficit, with a disability, because when I looked into the eyes of my mother, I didn't receive safety and security or a sense of belonging. So I then had to look somewhere else. And for me, this will be different probably for everyone, but for me, I'm a type A high achiever. That's what I did. I jumped right into proving myself getting my self-worth. I, I was a performer my whole life. I, I got into dance at age four. That's where I found my identity. So when we do not possess this thing we're calling secure attachment, when we don't possess it, there's another big word, when we don't embody it, we look outside of ourselves for our sense of value, worth, and dignity. Is and that that's, clear? Yeah. And that's what you were doing. And so another way of, I often explain this to clients and family members that I'm working with, if I'm working with a family system, that we have cups. So each developmental stage that we go through, we have a cup. And if that cup does not get filled, then throughout our life, that need to fill that cup is continually getting triggered in us. We don't know it's about that cup is only a quarter full or a half full. We just know that we're in these scenarios that happen over and over and over. And it's very easy to get caught in victim thinking instead of recognizing what is lacking in me that needs to be filled so that I don't keep triggering. And so for you, it was... I mean, when you said I needed her affirmation and approval, it's like ding, 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 hit it on the button. That was exactly what it was. And sometimes when people can sense that, it can push them away from us instead of joining with us. And they don't even know it because they have their own stuff. So you have multiple people in situations because the truth is we're all hurting, needy people saved by grace. And God is is healing us if we open ourselves to healing. If we do the, the work and the things, there can be healing and recognition to when the, a trigger happens. You said rewind and reset. You know, I tell people when the trigger happens we create new pathways in our brain that you don't have to react the way you did in the past. Without a doubt. Yes. Yeah. And so here's a new thing. So what a powerful revelation that you had 
of this and recognizing this has to do with wounds from my childhood. This has to do with wounds from what I didn't have. And now I'm projecting that onto other people. Right, right there. Like, I feel like that's almost like a Sila moment. Like you just got to kind of sit with that. And, um, you know, listener, I I want you to go back and listen to that again, because we have to have that revelation about ourselves. We do. That it's not because victim thinking is it's, they're always hurting me. They're always doing something. Well, Okay, but why am I triggering? Why what is this wrong with me? I think that yeah. was the deepest question that came. The deeper question out of all of that journey for me was what is wrong with me? Okay. Why do I cause this reaction? Oh, why do I why do I cause the reaction and why people? is she jealous and envy? And why is all of that like what like I don't want to do that? Like I I don't want to make people. So I went, it was a, that was the overarching, probably the, the fatal foothold is what I call that, you know, that Satan got in my life at a very young age where what is wrong with me Yeah, that I would cause someone to feel that way about me. Mm -hmm. That was the most grievous part because I was super really trying to be kind and nice and loving. And so it was so deeply in the subconscious, which is where all of that is stored in your childhood, right? So I'm sure that I could say I looked in my mother's eyes probably as an infant and was like, what's wrong with me? Why is she not nurturing me? Why is she not listening to me? Why is she not hearing me? It's a baffling question. And going back to that scenario that you were in, because I want to connect this for everyone. Yeah. So that person, that woman that you had that issue with, for her, Your motive is I want approval and acceptance. She could have thought, I don't know, you know, I'm maybe throwing this out to you. She could have thought your motive was to take over. Oh, absolutely. Do you see what I mean? So your your motive is I need your approval. I need your acceptance. And she's thinking, oh, your motive is to take over, to move me out of the way and take over. Well, that was her fear. Yeah, absolutely. Her fear, because it was proof of that. Yes. And so that's why she was putting that on you. And and because we judge people's motives out of our life experience. We sure do. And that's it's really one of the hardest things. Done a lot of study on that, you know, because understanding our motive is really difficult. (laughs) It takes a lot of examination. But we we assume to know everybody else's motive. Mm hmm. I mean, we're struggling to figure out our own, you know, it says in the scripture that we don't even know our own heart, (laughs) that we have to ask God to search our heart. And that's what the motive comes down to. And sometimes when we ask God to search our heart on a situation, he begins to reveal something and we're like, oh, yeah, it was ugly. That wasn't pretty. (laughs) It was not pretty. None of this was pretty. It came with much weeping. Much weeping and much gnashing of teeth in my life. It's like, oh, that's really ugly. Okay. I don't like that I seek everyone's approval. Yeah. But you pressed in, Janelle. You pressed in. You didn't stop. You didn't shut down. You didn't just leave that church right away. You were still trying to figure out, Lord, what is this? And may I encourage you, listener, do that. Do that. Don't. Don't let the enemy get a foothold in to cause division. 
and offenses, and it easily could. Yeah. The exit in and of itself of a situation like that, I think what was most frustrating is I wasn't the only one who knew that was going on, right? And so I definitely was the the one who was trying to champion the change. So there was a secondary grief that I was walking away from all of these women that I knew were struggling and leaving a place that I believed could have been amazing. You know, and so there was just a grief and there just there's times one of the most prophetic books I've ever read. I think it's by Townsend or Cloud, one of the two necessary endings. And I read it and read it and read it. Is this a necessary ending in my life? And there are those times where you're just not going to make it work. Mm-hmm. And there is a time when there's a release, but I don't I didn't go skipping <laughs> There followed a very long period of grief. And if I'm honest, I'm still grieving over the state of many of those things that I see happening in our current faith community, because I just believe and declare that we, we as women can rise up and be fully restored so that we can lead others to be fully restored. It's my vision. I will die on that sword. And I just do encourage everyone listening. You can't do it alone. Thankfully, I had one or two close friends. My husband and I were definitely in sync, but a lot of it is done alone on the floor in the prayer closet, crying and weeping out. Just God, show me, show me, show me. Don't, well, don't give up. <laughs> and, and I feel like, you know, right there, what we've said, oh, it's in the prayer room. Don't give up. Press into God, do that deep work. I feel like those are valuable tips right there for our listener. If they can pick you up off the floor. I mean, I I had women, three, four women, you know, that just picked me up off the floor. And two of them were the women that went on the getaway. So it was perfect because I was very safe with them. You see, God gave me a safe place and a safe place to be triggered and to have more healing happen. So we we do want to have community and we want to have at least two to three people around us during any kind of deeper transformation. And that's why we need, that's why we need the body, right? That's why I fight for it. Well, Janelle, this has been so good. And there's so many things that we could talk about, but as we always pray beforehand, Lord, lead us in the path you want us to. How can people connect with you online? What are the resources that you have? Please do. I have my website. I just call it Heartlift Central. I consider myself now a heart lifter, a woman who stands in her sphere of influence and operates with a healthy sense of self, healthy behavior patterns, and healthy communication skills. So that's what I work towards. And that's my mission. So just go to my website. Everything you absolutely need is there. JanelleRairdon.com. J-A-N-E-L-L-R-A-R-D-O-N.com. Wonderful. And the books and the things that you mentioned can all be found there. Absolutely everything. It truly is Heartlift Central. (laughs) And I operate mostly on Instagram, but you can connect with me through my site. Thank you, Janelle, for joining us today. I wish we could talk more and we'll have to have you back on our show. Our show notes and all the links shared with us today can be found at my website, fullyrestored.love. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all of our shows. And I would really appreciate it if you could leave a rating or even a comment as well on whatever platform you're listening to us on. People really do look at those comments 
and ratings on when they're looking for a new show to listen to. I want to stay connected with you and you can find me at Instagram and Facebook. Both of those are at author Kristen Klaus. I pray that this episode of the Fully Restored podcast really ministered to you, that you had some aha moments about relationship issues that you've had in the past, and then it causes you to dig in, to do the work, to spend the time in prayer with God and asking him, truly asking him, what is this root issue? And seeking help where you need to seek help on your own journey of healing. And remember friends, nothing or no one is beyond restoration with our Jesus.